It is now my pleasure to introduce a man who is always able to transform whatever's happening in his life and in our lives. He is a man filled with creativity and great joy. And will you join him for a great ride today as he shares his words of wisdom, our very own Reverend Patrick Cameron. We didn't, we didn't squeal or anything this morning. Good morning. Oh, you're doodling today. Awesome. Sweet. So welcome. Anybody here for the first time? Sweet. Well, welcome. Nice to have you here. We won't embarrass you any more than that, but it's nice to have you here, and hopefully, uh, thanks for checking us out. It's, uh, it's such a beautiful thing to come together in this consciousness. And I want to set up, I just want to prepare the, the soil a bit for our prayer. <clears throat> my experience with affirmative prayer has been that at some point in time for myself, what happens is there's a, there's a shift, there's a click. And, and you feel it in your heart and it's very difficult to describe. And so I, 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 I suggest that to you just so that there may be an opening, a willingness to experience that shift or click. It's actually the most important thing we do. We have the music, and the music should bring us to that and, and build. It's all very important. It's all, it's all uh, choreographed in a way I think is, is quite wonderful. But I think it's important. Words are important to set an intention. And what qualities are we going to live this day from? This is the eternal moment. And so with that said, I'm ready. And I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to stand with me, if that's helpful for you, if you'd like to stay seated, whatever is, is more conducive to you, your, your stepping into that, that space, that zone of genius that we're going to talk about today. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the and there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room And so in, know with me Allow my words to be your words One life 
one principle, one idea, one activity, that activity, that life, that principle is God's life. We claim it as our own. I claim it as my own in this moment in the first person, knowing it for each person here. In that powerful I am. And so what I know this day, as I stand grounded in the truth, standing in the love and the law, knowing that our words impress upon, my words impress upon this infinite intelligence, new ideas fraught with possibility, willingness and openness to put down anything that no longer serves, and calling forth into my own awareness, into my own sacred temple of thinking and knowing and being, Whatever it is that is right and perfect, this next moment, whatever it may be, and also willing to stop thinking at times and to bask in that deep abiding connection with spirit where the conversation is deep, where it is silent and yet so beautifully, beautifully communicated. And so I give thanks this day knowing every good thing necessary for myself and anyone else that resonates with this consciousness it's already done in the mind of the one and we are I am the place where it shows up and so I give thanks for all the blessings for this beautiful life this beautiful planet the opportunity to look at the challenges in the world and say there is enough of everything for everyone we need to call for I need to call forth a bigger idea and so I just give thanks knowing that idea is here now and I show up I pay attention And what shows up for me and in and through me, I act upon. And I take my genius into the world, into action. For this I give thanks and release these words. Grateful for the activity of co-creation in my life and on this planet. For this I give thanks. Release these words in that gratitude and together we say, and so it is. Beautiful. Thank you, Robin. So we're talking, we're using this book, I'm Talking. I don't know what I have the wheeze going on today, but we are not talking. I'm talking. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? But see, I'm deflecting. I'm talking about deflecting today, and here I'm deflecting. We, as if, yeah, yeah, we're all. And we, there is one. But all I know in this moment is I'm talking. And you may or may not be listening. (laughs) And that's all good. So we're talking about the, the every genius moment today. And uh, I, I was reading a story about Einstein. And Einstein traveled around and he, he lectured towards the end of his career. Albert Einstein, by the way. He's on the wall. Hey, there he is. You can't solve problems by using the same consciousness that, that created it. John's sitting in front of it, so I'm making it up, but I can read part of it. Right behind you there, John. But anyway, so Einstein's traveling around and he's doing lectures. And he had a chauffeur that took him around. And after you know, several years of this, his chauffeur said, you know, Dr. Einstein, uh, I pretty much have this speech memorized, you know. I mean, I've heard it hundreds of times. So one night they were going to this esteemed university, and Einstein said, you know, I'm not feeling too good. He said, uh, would you mind doing the speech tonight? He said, I'd love to. And so he, he, and he looked very much like Dr. Einstein. They looked like brothers. So he got up and he did the entire speech. And he did beautiful. And, and Einstein, the real Einstein, was in the back with his cap and his chauffeur's uh, jacket on, watching his chauffeur do the talk. And so this man got up during the question and answering period, a very learned professor at the esteemed Ivy League University, and said, uh, and he started pontificating and asking him some very difficult questions, and it was on and on very deep, and of course the chauffeur didn't know what the guy was asking or talking about. But rather than panic, he simply said, well, you know, what you're asking me is so elementary, 
I believe my chauffeur could even answer that. I think it's a joke. I don't think it's a true story. But it isn't the way the, the interesting how the universe works. So talking about today's conversation, the zone of excellence to the zone of genius, the zone of competence to the zone, zone of competence, zone of excellence, and shifting to the zone of genius. In other words, we, life may be good wherever we are, but sometimes good gets in the way of our great. And you know, I'm, I just want to digress a moment. I think while we're, while we're, we're uh, in this community today, Let's also hold the consciousness for all the people in Haiti today. It's just alive for me in a really powerful way. And let us know. Let's not offer our worry. Let's offer our knowing the highest and best for those people. And let's continue to let that sit behind and beneath and upon the, the, the sharing today. And what we can do is extend that love and our knowing that each and every person has everything they need. Because that is metaphysicians as trained thinkers is one of our gifts, and then taking that into the world in action. Because what people will do, one of the th- ways that we limit the zone of genius, we have these upper limit challenges. I talked about them last week. We get great things going in our lives, and then we mess it up somehow because it's too good. Have you ever heard anybody say or have you ever used the phrase, it's too good to be true? Anybody here ever? Let's your hands. Come on. You ever used it? It's too good. It's too good to be true. As if that's a celebration. There's a declaration. If it's good, it's true. Take that one and use it. Hey, it's good. It's true. And be a magnet for good in our lives. But what happens for us, see, we have a toolbox. We have a toolbox that's very popular. And one of the things that's in our toolbox that we're so, I'm so comfortable with, excuse me, once I'm we in again, that I am so comfortable with is worry. Worry is a tool that I have in my box. I can pull it out any time. I use it really well. And so worry is valuable if there's actually something that we can do about what's happening. And it leads, if it leads to an action that we can take right now, which is a great question to ask ourselves if we have the awareness, if we catch ourselves. Because as we wake up, the awa- by awakening to this, our habitual thinking, we can ask ourselves, am I worrying about this? Okay, I'm worrying about this. Now, is this real? Is it really a possibility, number one? And if it is, then is there an action that I can take right now that will fix it, change it, shift it? And if there isn't, then maybe it's a good idea to stop worrying and find something more interesting to focus on. In the movie Annie Hall, Woody Allen is pacing back and forth. Gay Hendricks describes it in the book. And he's, he and his lover's in bed, and he's pacing back and forth in the, 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 uh, in the bedroom, and he's going on and on about the Kennedy assassination, and was, it, was Lee Harvey Oswald alone in it, and back and forth, and he's wringing his hands, and he's back and forth, and back and forth. Finally, she says to him, because <clears throat> he's in this spin of worry about this, she said, I believe you're trying to avoid being intimate with me. And he stops in his tracks, and he looks at her and said, you're right. But we'll do that. We'll do that to avoid what's before us. We'll do that to avoid and be present in the moment. So worry is a very interesting thing to do, and it's in my toolbox. And so what's happened for me over time is I've, as I've worked these spiritual principles, and I love that we have community. I love that we're able to come together weekly. I need to be immersed in this. And over the course of time, I've been able to shift a lot of that worry. I've been able to be more proactive and to stand in, in your own dominion and power and do that sooner rather than later. I still have that tool of worry. 
but I have other tools now. And those other tools I find more interesting. They, you know, as, a car, as an old carpenter, we used to say a guy with the, only owns a hammer, pretty soon everything starts looking like a nail. Anais Nin said, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And so I believe it takes courage to do the work. I think it takes courage. I know it takes courage to live in your zone, to, in my zone of genius. It takes courage. And it takes awareness. It takes willingness. It takes courage, as strange as it may seem, to enjoy love, abundance, and others' forms of positive energy without sabotaging ourselves. And we do this. And the reason that I, I think it's important to have this discussion is worry is a tool. In my life, worry is a tool. I just want to use the tool effectively. Another tool that I have in my, my toolbox is criticism and blame. Criticism and blame is the number one destroyer of intimacy in close relationships. Self-criticism and criticizing others are one and the same. It's the same energy. Same energetic. And so what, what is valuable is to become, a, I, be, I believe, waking up. See, waking up doesn't mean it all goes away. Waking up is seeing it with new eyes. To become a keen observer of critical statements that come out of your mouth and fly through your mind. You know, have you ever had that? For me, when I find myself in a situation that is, feels like I'm sabotaging myself, I can, I'll say to myself, what was I thinking? What am I thinking? What, what pattern has brought me to this? And I don't do it from a... <clears throat> I don't do it anymore from a perspective of beating myself up. Maybe I fall into that a bit. But I know energetically, you can feel it when you start to go there. You can feel it just like a prayer treatment. You can feel it when you start to shift. When you start to, to fall into that trap of that, that spin of negativity. Harlan Ellison said, chance favors the prepared mind. So if you want to be lucky, let's prepare our minds. Let's have tools in our toolbox that work really well. Criticism and blame. If you don't want to be in intimate relationships with people, criticize them and blame them. It's easy to do that. I've got it in my toolbox. What I find, though, is the criticism of others. The reason I criticize someone is it's so prevalent in my own experience. So how can I transform that? How can I shift that in my own awareness? And that's the challenge for us. But that's also the opportunity. And that's part of preparing one's mind. Chance favors a prepared mind. Another tool that I have that's very powerful is deflecting. Avoiding positive energy altogether. People will compliment me. See, I was raised that if someone complimented you, no, 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 don't, don't, don't accept it. There's all the, oh, no, it wasn't me. I got lucky. I got lucky. I had a buddy that got a job selling life insurance right out of high school. He went to work for an insurance company, and he sold a policy. And his boss was all excited. This guy's like 19 years old. His boss is all excited. You're a natural. You'll be able to do this thing. He said... It'll never happen again. It'll never happen again. Don't be saying that to me. In, you know, in three, four weeks, he quit the job. He couldn't take it. How much good can you handle? It was just an idea he had about himself. But the, we, we, it happens in, large, in small ways in, in various people's lives, and I've done it myself. I was told that it was noble not to accept someone's good wishes. Good job. It's much easier to say thank you. Thank you. I was at a process on Friday night with Janet Atwood. And at the end of it, all that you listen to someone, they're sharing, and then you say, thank you. It's really easy. It makes it really clean. And yet, for myself, my experience was that, took, that was a skill I had to learn because I was very good at deflecting. See, the art of getting beyond our upper limit problem has a lot to do with creating space within us to feel and appreciate natural good feelings. Natural good feelings. 
We are born in a state of grace. We are also born in the state of ignorance. If you look at the world today, see, we talk about, I was raised in a tradition that talked about and preached in, 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 uh, of original sin. And sin, as we would interpret it, is just simply missing the mark. I believe we're born in a state of, of, of natural ignorance. And so it's this process of educating ourselves and going through that and doing our work. By natural, a natural good feeling, by natural, Gay Hendricks says, I mean, good feelings that aren't induced by alcohol, sugar, and other short-term fixes, but just natural goodness. Another great one is squabbling, arguing. Arguing, and what arguing is, is the race to occupy the victim position. I have that in my toolbox as well. Well, let me tell you what they did to me. I love what he says in this book. He talks about it with uh, the comparison to what's going on in Israel. The problem that's going on in Israel has gone on for centuries. So there's a legacy there. There's a tradition there, the things I talked about last week. Disobeying the agreements with parents, outshining parents, living a different life besides parents, that whole tradition that goes on there. What it's going to take is for the people on the one side, the Palestinians, all the other people stand up and say, I take 100% responsibility for what has happened. And we're going to move forward in a new way. And what it's going to take on the Israeli side is for those people to stand up and say, I take 100% responsibility for what's happening, and let's move forward in a new way. But the consciousness isn't there. The tools aren't in the toolbox. I watched a program of Jonathan Demme. He followed uh, former President Jimmy Carter around who wrote that book on, on Palestine. And he became a spokesperson for Palestine. And it really upset a lot of people. But all he was saying was, look, it needs to be fair on both sides. I'm for peace. And I'm trying to tell you that we're not going to have peace if we keep treating one another like this, whatever it may be. So in the, in the larger scheme of things, it is that shift in consciousness that's having the tools. It's having the tools in our lives. So if our, our number one tool that we pull out of our toolbox is worry, we can do that. We've been go, given dominion over this. But is that how we want to show up with a prepared mind? not how I want to live. And so my spiritual practice has brought me to the point where I'm aware of it more often than not. And then, you know, I'll talk to the people I need to talk to or I'll get the help I need to get or, or, or if it's something I'm just simply this free-floating anxiety. You know, there's discussions talking to, to Diane this morning. She said, we had a big rally yesterday because they're cutting back funding for her, her core group. And what happens when, when scarcity shows up? See, we fall into That's what I love about Victoria Castle's book, The Trance of Scarcity. We fall asleep in this trance. We think there's not enough. Well, if that's, if that's the, the, the cultural conditioning agreement, we will demonstrate that. And what happens when we think there's not enough, we usually, it usually affects the most vulnerable first. It's an interesting thing we, culture we live in. And it's, it's a bigger idea to call forth for all of us in our lives, in our, with our politicians. But if you have a politician, that their toolbox is worry and squabbling, deflecting criticism and blame what are you going to get more of and that's why it's so important to develop the leadership in our own lives because I can't control what other people are thinking I can only live for my my truth I can stay stand grounded in it when I see it happening I say that doesn't represent me I don't believe in lack and limitation see we live an abundant life one of the things that Kay Hendricks says in this book that I think is so powerful is to get up and live in the the abundance that we're in right now to bless what we have now 
when we bless it, when we stand in the consciousness of understanding that, that joy, that natural goodness and joy, despite what's going on, there's a lot of crummy stuff going on. All kinds of stuff about Haiti. I have tremendous compassion for the people in Haiti, and I want to do everything I can. Talking to a couple of people yesterday that said they want to go there and help. I said, fantastic. You know, what else can we do about that? But I think as, as trained thinkers, it's to understand that they have everything they need. And that is not to just, that's not to just say, that's it. Then, then there's other things to know. I had a health condition that came up a while back, and I thought about sharing it. And I, and I, I didn't share it, and I'll tell you why. Because I didn't want you worrying about it. I don't want people worrying about me in my life. I had this great opportunity around some doctor said something to me. And I, you know, you get scared for 15, 20 minutes. You go, I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. And so, but if I share it with a number of people, then we, th- and, and, we th- and compassion, the compassion is great. The love is great. I don't want the worry. I don't want reinforcing this sense of, 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 uh, of anxiety. I don't, want, I don't want any anxiety in my life. I want to live this life conscious and aware and powerful. To stand in my power. And the paradox is that I stand in co-creation. The, the, the paradox is that I, you have to surrender to stand in that power, to stand in that grace, that, that beauty. When we were in Melbourne, Laura and I went to a, a number of seminars. There was a, a swami there and a rabbi. And that was the name of the seminar, the swami and the rabbi. <laughs> Go figure. And the swami had studied with Krishnamurti. And Krishnamurti was uh, a student, he, and he was... He was um, he was brought into the theosophical group of people. And then he, he, dis, he disconnected from everyone, but he was a spiritual teacher. And I'm going to share a little bit of Krishnamurti with you today. But at this uh, uh, seminar, the, the Swami was uh, born in Brooklyn, then raised Jewish, went to study with Krishnamurti for 12 years and became a Swami. And so we're at this meeting, and this lady gets up, and she's from, she said, I'm Jewish. And the rabbi was there as well. And they're dear friends. And they're going back. And it was a great discussion. This lady stands up and says, When I go to my temple, I'm Jewish, and I go to my temple, what's lacking for me is the spirituality. And I long for that. And she pointed at the Swami and said, Why can't you come back and be a rabbi with us? We want you back. How dare you go off with the Hindus and become a Swami? We need you. And then the rabbi said, Look, he said, because he, and they, and he had a nice, and he had a nice answer. He just simply said, "Look, this was my path. I still honor my Jewish tradition. You know, I'm a Jew, but I'm, I'm I'm also a Hindu now." But it was interesting to watch how she needed it to be a certain way in a certain box, and life isn't like that. And the rabbi said, "You know what you'll find in our in our temples and in our synagogues with rabbis is rabbis are busy with the day to day. They're helping people live their lives day to day. They got problems. Things are happening. People get sick, like our pastoral care." I did a memorial service on Friday. Beautiful thing. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But those are part of being in community and being in high relationship with one another spiritually. But the rabbi simply said, you know, that's my role as rabbi. And you won't perhaps find that, that level of spirituality you might be looking for in terms of what we do because we're more about the day-to-day managing of people's lives and helping them. With our tradition, of course. The wonderful thing I think that we do in community here is I think we can do both. I think we do both here. I think we, we provide an avenue and a pathway and a, and a, and a path of, of, of self-discovery and examination that allows you to deepen in your own spiritual connection. And I also think that we're, as we grow and our, our resources uh, continue to grow, we're better able to serve those day-to-day needs as well. Practitioners, with counseling, with, with uh, prayer support, with... Uh, those types of things. You know, there's an organic thing here, and I think it's one of the things that makes it so uh, 
wonderful in how we're, we're doing our work. Because they're both important. But we also, and the nice thing is, we don't have to have anybody in a, be in a box. I can talk to you about Krishnamurti. I can talk to you about a Catholic mystic. I can talk to you about a Buddhist monk. Because we just honor the intelligence, the wisdom. You know, I don't need to make, I don't need to have somebody go through the Passive Discovery class here before I use their book. You know, I don't need to call um, the Dalai Lama and say, would you be willing to come over on three Tuesday nights in a row so then I can talk about you at church? Ernest Holmes said this is words that heal today. He talks about Jesus. Someone told me the other day, thank God, I brought my sister. You said Jesus' name twice. It was great. <laughs> I'm okay. Get to talk about him too. This is what Dr. Holmes of short paragraphs says, Jesus, the greatest spiritual genius of all time. I don't know what we thought about Jesus. Greatest spiritual genius of all time. Said that our prayers should be prayers of faith, our meditations, contemplations of certainty. Our faith must reach beyond facts to that something which makes facts out of its own affirmation. So our knowing, when we speak our word, I'm going to tell you something. One of the great things about what I've learned on my spiritual path, what I decide today is really important for me. And whatever it may be, she's so excited about what I'm going to say next. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to start crying too. <laughs> I'm so clear about what I'm saying today and how I'm living that I expect results. I expect to prove this in my life. And you know what? If I'm, if I'm declaring it and I'm saying it and I'm expecting the results, then I'm going to live with those results. And I might find out, you know what? I could have had a bigger idea, so what do I do? I put that one down and I move on to the next one. But I needed to have this experience with this consciousness in this moment. But to make, that, make it certain, when I was studying acting, we'd go in and acting is all about creativity. I was an actor in California for a number of years. Wonderful teacher. And people get up and they'd be uncertain and you make choices. It's always about colors and playing the beat in the moment and all these things and and the, the teacher used to say, look, you made the choice. Make it your own. It's right and perfect. You decided. And I think that's true about what we decide in our lives. But when we're, when we're operating from a toolbox of worry and criticism and blame and deflecting, squabbling, I think there's more interesting things to work from. So how do we do that? What is one of the tools that we can do? It's awareness. Our faith must reach beyond facts to that something which makes facts out of its own affirmation. So we're creating the facts in our lives. We always have, we always will. That could be scary for you, but it shouldn't be because it's how it works. And all it takes is a shift in consciousness. That, now, that might take forever. Because Fuchsia said, don't worry how long it takes as long as you keep moving forward. I like that. Don't worry how long it takes as long as you keep moving forward. Because some days I feel like it's one step forward and two step back. Have you ever done that? There's another one from my toolbox, along with it's too good to be true. I got them all in there. I got all the snappy sayings in there. <clears throat> yeah. Create form out of its own substance and project experiences through the law of its own word. It's what we do. See, and we think, and, and, we, and, and we talk about this. this is the, that is the sum total of what we do here. We bring people in and we say, is this working for you? Would you like to have a more interesting idea? And then go about the business of making that from the explicit, which is when we learn anything, it's very clumsy, to the implicit. It's our way of being. I, I stand with you today. I'm so excited about life. What's going on in my life? Do I have challenges and things that look like uh, lack and limitation in there? Yeah. But you know what? It's all good stuff. I bless it. I bless it because I don't focus much on that. I know that I keep blessing the things that are working, the relationships, the things that are powerful and wonderful. I keep bringing in the right ideas and the right consciousness, and I keep going through that shift within me. 
and I can feel it. Last week, all day Monday, I was just buzzing, just buzzing with this vibration. And I said, I don't even know why I'm buzzing like this. But it was just like, I, I thought it was going to sort of fly away. And the whole day, I thought, what's this? And I kept asking, what's this all about? Because I needed it to be linear. I needed to understand it. And I realized, you know what? I'm just having an experience here. I'm just being, I'm just being done. Something's being done to me. But that's part of my spiritual practice. Whatever needs to be done, I'm available. Then all of a sudden it starts happening. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I better pull off to the side of the road here. It was very, very interesting. It's so powerful. And I think part of it is doing this work in this book and realizing and just everything I get to do and share with you is the stuff I need to hear. See, that's why we're doing this. And I know that it, there's, a, there's a conversation that goes on. I know there's value for you as well. Because that's where you're, you're drawn to this community for a reason. There's a guy that uh, loved mysteries. He loved mysteries. And there was a new mystery that was opening up at the local theater. So he went down and he bought, got one of the last tickets that he went in and he was way in the back row. So he called the, way, the uh, usher over and he says, look, could you do me a favor? He said, I love mysteries, but I really need to be up close to see it and experience it. And I really don't want to be sitting back here because, you know, there's so much better up front. And if you could get me a seat up front, he said, it would be a nice tip in it for you. And the, the, the uh, usher says, sure. So about three minutes before showtime, he went to the, will, the usher went to the will call box. There was one ticket left. Second row, right in the center, right on the aisle. So he went and got the guy. He says, come on with me. And just before the curtain raised, he sat the man down in the center, second row. Beautiful seat. And the guy said, thank you so much. He gives the, guy, gives the uh, usher a quarter. Usher's like... He leans back down to the guy and he says, the maid did it with the candlestick. And he walks away. It's the law of reciprocity. <laughs> what we give, we receive. It's the way it works. What goes around, comes around. Krishnamurti, I want to leave this with you. Because Krishnamurti was a, a wonderful teacher. And so what I would suggest to you this week as you're going through, and you're doing your meditation, and your meditation can be anything. Let me share what Krishnamurti said about meditation. Wonderful teacher. Wonderful, wonderful teacher. He said, meditation is one of the greatest arts in life. Perhaps the greatest. And one cannot possibly learn it from anybody. Now, we have a meditation class here, and you can learn techniques. You can't learn the experience of meditation from anybody. You have to do it. You have to have your own experience with it. It's wonderful to have coaches and techniques and, and all that stuff. But you have to own it for yourself. It has to be your practice. And he said, that's the beauty of it. Because no, you can't learn it from anybody. That's the beauty of it. It has no technique and therefore no authority. When you learn about yourself, watch yourself. Watch the way you walk. Watch how you eat, what you say, the gossip. Man, we love to gossip, don't we? I love to gossip, don't I? Not you guys. I know none of you ever gossip, but I, I can do it. I have that talent down. My desire is to gossip good about everybody. But I know it's alive in me because people show up and they want to join me in gossip. My teacher used to say when we started, stop gossiping, stop talking, stop talking about people. And we, as science of mind uh, ministerial students, we sat around and said, well, well then what are we, we going to talk about? We've got nothing left to talk about now. When you learn about yourself, watch yourself. Watch the way you walk, how you eat, what you say, the gossip, the hate, the jealousy. If you are aware of all that in yourself without any choice, that's part of meditation. You start right there. You start right there. He continues, meditation is the emptying of the mind of all thought. For thought and feeling dissipate energy. <clears throat> the chance favors the prepared mind. 
And when we're busy with all that stuff, we dissipate energy. No wonder you're exhausted. No, no wonder I'm exhausted sometimes. Not you. No wonder I'm exhausted sometimes. I'm worrying about everybody and blaming and shaming, squabbling and deflecting. It's a full-time job. These thoughts are repetitive, producing mechanical activities which are a necessary part of existence, but they are only part, and thought and feeling cannot possibly enter into the immensity of life. Quite a different approach is necessary. Not the path of habit, association, and the known. There must be freedom from these. Meditation is the emptying of the mind of the known. It cannot be done by thought or by the hidden prompting of thought, nor by desire in the form of prayer, nor through the self-effacing hypnosis of words, images, hopes, and vanities. All of these have to come to an end easily, without effort and choice, in the flame of awareness. So it's a tall order, but you know what I do now? I label it. When I'm in meditation, we do a meditation on Wednesday night, it's beautiful. It's deep, it's wonderful. When I say deep, it's just so peaceful. I love it. I love Wednesday night. It's a whole different practice. But what I have found with myself is that when I find myself thinking, I make a little tea with my finger in the air. Oh, I'm thinking. And I decided I didn't want to think right now. I want to empty my mind. People ask me, what's your practice? A lot of times people want to know spiritual practice. One of them is to stop thinking. And I've found ways in my life to stop thinking. Because I just want to, I want to bask in that consciousness of nothingness. Where, where it's, it's, that, it's that zone of genius. And then all of a sudden, when I'm in that, that lack of conversation, that, those, I, the next good idea shows up. But if I'm filling it so much with the worry and all the other qualities I just said, I can't listen. And it seems paradoxical. It seems so unproductive because we're so good at figuring things out. You're very bright. You're very, very capable. We all are. I, I, I am too. I can, think my, I can tell myself a story. Till, it's amazing the stuff I can make up in my head. But yet I need to quiet that down so that I can be available to that practice. So this week as you're going along and you're doing your practice, watch how you walk. Watch how you speak. Are you gossiping? Are what you're saying about somebody else, is that what you'd like said about you? That's a golden rule. How do you want to be in the world? How do I want to be in the world? How do I want to show up? How do I want to be supported? How do I want to be loved? How do I want... If I am blaming and shaming everyone, I am going to bring people into my life that will, will, will join me in that activity. I want people to see the genius in me. I want to see the genius in them, despite the behavior, despite the facts. If we're going to give birth to a new if I am going to give birth to a new consciousness on this planet that is productive and wonderful and powerful, and that resources and supports everyone in the best way possible, then I know that this is my opportunity. It is your opportunity. So during this week, when you catch yourself thinking in a way that you realize probably done enough of this, make that little tea in the air. See where it takes you. Bring the awareness to it. Ah, ah, I'm worrying. And I'm thinking, is there any, is this real? Did I turn off the, the teapot before I left the house? And if I d- don't think I did, I drive home and check it. That's how you handle it immediately. You know, those, those little things, those are little things. Because what we'll do then is, not only will we get something big we're worrying about, we, we, we get everybody to join us. Guess what's happening? Guess what's happening to me? Do we want to be in that conversation with everyone? Or do we want to master ourselves and stand grounded in the truth of our being and understand consciousness? My consciousness is so powerful that whatever I think into it, whatever I give my energy to, I create more of in my life. And so I'm, I'm for the abundance in my life. So where are there abundance areas in my life? I know that the paper scissors lack in limitation and there's a bubble coming and the, you know, the, 
the sky is falling, whatever it may be. Interesting, interesting, interesting stuff, but I'm not giving any energy to that because I'm living an abundant life right here and right now. I see it everywhere. I see it in nature. I see it in people. I see it in cultures. That's what I dwell upon. And that's working. People's compassion. Look at the compassion that's happened with Haiti. People's hearts cracking open. People's pocketbooks opening up. People going there to help. Because we know we're connected to our brothers and sisters. We know where people are suffering. We want to help. That stuff's working. That's abundance. That's the heart in action on the planet. I celebrate that. And so I, I share that with you because I think it's important. And I think what Krishnamurti has to say, it's okay to stop thinking and just be basking in the, in the presence and the moment of the, the beauty of who and what you are. Discover that. Reveal that to yourself. Know that for yourself. And that's a never-ending journey. It's powerful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Blessings.